Hello, misfits. I'm Kale. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Horrorwood. by thanking all you gorgeous listeners out there for following our podcast, giving us your positive feedback. It truly, truly means the world to us, and we cannot thank you enough. And I've been screenshotting um, anyone who has texted me to Kate. Um, So thank you for that because they're pretty funny. Um, It's been exciting now that we're like on all the platforms and it's all of our friends and we are so excited for that. Um, Also, we just got our first five-star rating on Apple. I was so giddy. It was probably Matt if we're being honest, but um, I love it. It's exciting. We'll take any ratings. We hope they're good ones. And we hope that you all rate us and review us because it really does help us out a lot. And it tells all those podcast platforms that they should uh, recommend our podcast to other listeners. So that would be awesome. Uh, So now that we're all in a feel-good mood, it's time to bring you way down. Today, we are talking about the tragic deaths of model Christy Giles and architect and interior designer Hilda Marcella Cabrales-Sarzola. So as with all our episodes, you can find a link to the transcript for it in our show notes right underneath the episode description. I want to start by saying this case is ongoing, so if we hear any updates, we will let you know. It is very recent, and if you live in Los Angeles, there's no doubt that you've heard about this case uh, because it it made some headlines for sure when it occurred. Just so you guys all know, I have not heard of any of this. I didn't even recognize the name. So this is going to be a, probably a fascinating ride for me. It is really rough. Um, and it's just scary because I feel like it. this kind of thing happens a lot or, or can happen a lot. And uh, yeah, it's it's a rough one. So let's begin. On Friday evening, November 12th of 2021, so just a few months ago, Christy Giles and her friend Hilda Marcella Cabrales-Arzola, she went by her middle name Marcella, so I'll refer to her as Marcella, they went out in Los Angeles together for a girls' night out. Christy had just celebrated her 24th birthday about a week earlier, and Marcella's 27th birthday was coming up just a few days later. The two attended an art show opening at a gallery in L.A., and after the show was over, they went to a rave that was being held in a parking garage in an industrial area of East Los Angeles. Since, you know, I just don't know the L.A. scene, I'm wondering if you could tell us what kind of area East L.A. is or or where in location it is to anything, really. It's hard to say. I mean, I would say East L.A. is not like your studios and your universal and like all of that. Is it, is um, it it's like more an area where it'd be like division street in Chicago where there's a lot of bars or is it? No, it's know? more industrial. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. It's really industrial. They arrived at the rave just after one o'clock AM that Saturday morning. 
At some point during the rave, the two women got separated but met up again just before 4.30 a.m. Later that Saturday, shortly after 5 o'clock p.m., Christy, unconscious, was dropped off at the Southern California Medical Center in Culver City. She was pronounced dead at the scene. Oh, do we know who dropped her off? What, what does that mean exactly? We'll get into it. Okay, okay. Two hours later, just after 7 o'clock p.m., Marcella, unconscious, alive but barely, was dropped off at Kaiser Permanente Hospital in West Los Angeles. She died several days later, just shy of her 27th birthday. Before we get into the timeline of events from their evening out, I want to give you some background of the two women because their stories deserve to be told. Christy Lee Giles was born on November 4th, 1997. I saw it in another source that it was November 5th, but her Instagram states November 4th, so we're going to go with November 4th. In the Mount Olive suburb of Birmingham, Alabama, she was the youngest of three girls and grew up with two older sisters named Misty and Brittany. As a kid, Christy played soccer and she was really good. According to her obituary, soccer was her first love. She was on an all-state team and she was also an excellent runner and ran track. Her family said that she used to run laps in the dirt in the backyard. She was really close with her family. Saturdays were pancake days in their house, and that was a tradition of theirs. Christy and her family would sit together on the weekends and eat pancakes. That's what my family would do on Saturday mornings, actually. I love it. She had long brown hair and hazel eyes and was absolutely beautiful. It was her great-grandmother who suggested she try doing beauty pageants. So she did a few local pageants and even won some titles and eventually became a first runner-up in the Miss Alabama Teen USA pageant. So she definitely had that it factor. Right, right. When she was 14 years old, she went to her very first modeling casting. There were 13 agencies there. So basically, at these castings, modeling agencies would send agents or representatives to scout new talent. And they look at your photos. Maybe you have to walk, like do a runway walk. Of the 13 agencies that were there, Christy got a callback from 11 of them. Oh, wow. And it was her very first casting. Did did it say, I mean, can we assume that this was um, like her interest as well? It wasn't being pushed on her. You know how sometimes. Yeah, I don't think she she did love modeling. Okay. Um, so I think that, you know, her great grandmother kind of spotted this thing in her and she went for it and she was really successful at it. I, I just uh, I put that out there only because I'm reading so much about um, it's especially more um, collegiate athletes and they're just pushed and pushed and pushed and it's just too much for them. And so, you know, I, I just wonder like when it becomes someone else's interest and not your own. Um, so I was just curious on if there was any facts on that. No, I think she, I think she was definitely interested and she just had that something that people were drawn to. So she ended up signing with Wilhelmina Models, which is one oh, of huge. the top modeling yeah. agencies there is. Yeah. Wow. And that's at incredible. age 16, she left school and began traveling the world working as a model. So, so Alabama. I mean, she went from Alabama, which is, you know, a southern state, to travel the world. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's great. Yeah. She was pretty successful right off the bat. 
And I know this gets said a lot about people after they've passed, but she truly was full of life. She loved traveling and experiencing different cultures. She was really active and outdoorsy. She went skydiving and scuba diving. She loved being out on a boat and going swimming. And she also cared a lot about the environment. She actually helped host multiple beach cleanup events with the group from the Heart Tribe. That group is still going. They clean up the trash, all the plastic and styrofoam, all the junk that people just carelessly leave behind or that ends up in the ocean and is then washed up on the shore. She would go and help clean all of that up. I love reading um, Elephant Journal articles and the person behind it, Waylon um, Lewis, he always talks about being of benefit to others. And so maybe she was just a person who had the looks and the athletic talent and then also wanted to help others. So just kind of an encompassing character. Like it sounds like she was an it all girl. Yeah, she I mean, she had it all. She was loved pretty much by everyone who encountered her. Like she just had that something. Uh, She was also a huge animal lover, particularly of horses. She loved horses. And she posted a picture of herself on Instagram with the caption, I'm that one horse girl each class had. And it's just like the cutest. And horses are kind of like humans. I got to spend some time with a horse when I had my knee injury. Well, it's still there, but still present. But um, when it was really bad and I was on crutches, I was able to spend time with a horse and there's a connection there. They're incredible animals. They are. And that she definitely saw that too. Uh, So, you know, basically just a gorgeous human being inside and out, inside and out, the kind of person everyone wants to be friends with. At the beginning of 2019, Christy met Jan Sillier, a visual effects supervisor at an art gallery in West Hollywood. They were introduced by a mutual friend and Jan was immediately attracted to her and said that when they started chatting, he found her to be really interesting. So over the next couple of weeks, they ran into each other a few more times. And then Jan took a leap and asked her out on a date. She said yes. And their first date was on Valentine's Day. According to Jan, it was, quote, the most incredible whirlwind romance. And just six months later, they eloped at the Burning Man Festival in Nevada. Oh, yeah. So it, it happened quick. I wasn't prepared for that. But um, yeah, and Burning Man. Okay. Yeah. And you can tell by the way he speaks about her and by the things they said about each other on social media posts that these two were madly in love. They seemed so genuinely happy together. They loved traveling and cooking together and snuggling with their cats. That's kind of cute. Jan said, quote, I never thought I'd ever get married. But when you know, you know that someone is your person. Now let's talk about Christy's friend who was with her that fateful night, Marcela Cabrales-Arzola. Marcela grew up in Mexico and studied architecture. While she was a student, she worked as an intern at a few different design firms, and that's when she really fell in love with interior design. So she made interior design her focus. She was awarded several scholarships, and in 2019, she graduated from the University of Monterey at the top of her class. While in college, she did a semester abroad at Yonsei University in Seoul, South Korea. Similar to Christy, she also loved to travel and experience different cultures. And according to a job profile she filled out, her main goal 
was to move to Canada and establish herself there. Well, that's interesting. Um, so they grew up in like across the country from each other. Marcella was in Mexico and uh, Christy was in Alabama. Oh, in different countries. Yeah. So what you know what you said, Monterey, and I just automatically think California. Yeah. But it's safe to say that it's just fate or coincidence that they met each other because if they're in, you know, I mean, it's kind of like how you and I met. We met at college, right? So who knows what would have happened if we didn't meet at college? Would we have ever met each other? Probably not. And we would not have this podcast. Right. (laughs) Uh, So she wanted to establish herself in Canada. She said she loved Canada and all the opportunities it had to offer. And so she was trying to find a job there. She had studied French and was hoping to continue that because she wanted to become more fluent. She was one of those people who just loved learning. She said, quote, I'm also learning how to code because I want to expand my opportunities. So she was extremely intelligent and driven. Right. And she was working as the lead project manager for a design company in Mexico. And her talents and skills were obvious. On this job profile that she had filled out, she said, quote, I'm ready for a new adventure. And I promise if you let me be part of your team, you will not regret it. Oh, gosh, that's incredible. Yeah. I love a girl who has drive and is just inspirational. Both of these women were. They were both driven and inspirational for sure. In July of 2021, Marcella was offered a job as an interior designer in Los Angeles. So she moved from Mexico to California to begin a new adventure. In L.A., she met Christy Giles and the two became friends. Like Christy, Marcella also loved animals, and she had a dog named Tomas. And it's easy to see why they were friends. They had a lot in common. Mm -hmm. On the evening of November 12th, 2021, Christy started off her night on the beach watching the sunset. She texted her husband, Jan, who was in San Francisco at the time, telling him that she wished she could watch the sunset with him. She and her friend Marcella then went to the art gallery for the art show opening. And according to the affidavit by LAPD detective Jonathan Vander Lee, a friend told police that Christy used cocaine and ketamine while at the art studio and also smoked marijuana while there. I didn't want to jump to conclusions, but one of the first things that came to my head was their cocaine use. And right now, California, well, many places, there's this influx of um, fentanyl. Fentanyl? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I only put that out there because her husband, Jan, did give an interview saying that he knew Christy occasionally did cocaine, but that it wasn't a regular thing. Okay. And that he never knew her to do like heroin or any any other things. Okay. And as we'll find out later, there were some other things in her system that she definitely did not do voluntarily. Got it. Christy had been texting Jan throughout the night, and sometime between midnight and 1 a.m., she texted him to tell him that she and Marcella were heading to a rave in East Los Angeles. This would be the last text Jan would ever receive from his wife. As I mentioned in the beginning, at the rave, the two women became separated. During this time, Marcella met David Pierce, a producer and club promoter, and David's friend Michael Onsbach, a video producer. At 4.21 a.m., Marcella sent Christy a text that read, quote, Do you want Coke? Shortly after this text, the women joined back up together, and a friend of the two women who was at this rave told police she saw David Pierce give Christy and Marcella what looked like cocaine. So they were still together at 4 a.m. 
it was shortly after 421 that they met up. So like okay. a, probably like around 430. I'm just putting the timeline together and I'm thinking, gosh, you know, it's it's these within minutes of things, things can just derail, right? Yes. And you're just thinking, oh my gosh, well, they were still together and things were okay. I mean, they met these people, but who know? you know. Ugh. And actually there is a photo online of Marcella at the rave with David and Michael, like some photographer just happened to be wandering by who was like taking photos of, of the event. Oh, wow. And so there is a photo of her with those two men. Security footage from the parking garage where this rave was held shows the two women leave with David Pierce, Michael Onsbach, and David's roommate, actor Brant Osborne. Christie's husband, Jan, stated that he'd heard that at least one of the men had told the women he worked for the Australian electronic group Rufus DeSole. Oh, okay. And Jan's understanding was that these men told Christy and Marcella they were going to the band's after party and presumably invited them to come along. A representative for that band gave a statement later that none of those men worked for the band. I just had a drop in my stomach. Yeah, it gets bad. The group got into Brant Osborne's Hyundai and he drove them to his apartment that he shared with David Pierce located in the 8600 block of Olympic Boulevard. It is unclear if Michael Onsbach went with them. I don't know if he was in the car with them, if he had his own ride and went home. I couldn't find anything saying either way. Mm -hmm. At 5.11 a.m., the group arrived at the apartment of David and Brandt. Just 20 minutes later, Christy texted Marcella saying, quote, let's get out of here and used the emoji with the wide eyes like something was wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Marcella texted back that she would request an Uber. The fact that they are texting each other from the same apartment. That's a big, huge sign. There's a, I mean, there's a good chance they were sitting right next to each other or at least very nearby one another. I've done that before. Yeah. So that just gives you an indication that something wasn't right. Maybe they didn't feel safe. Maybe they didn't feel well, but clearly they were trying to be discreet and didn't want the men to catch wind of the conversation. Yeah, I feel like we've all done that at some point. Like yeah. when you're out with someone and you don't want the people around to hear what you need to say to that person, so you text it. Well, you feel creeped out or you feel like you're just not in the right place at the right time. Exactly. Um, and it, it, or, or the cues that we used to give each other, which was one, we would go to a place and we would make up names. And then two, we would have a cue where it was a secret word or something. Yeah, so Marcella does request the Uber and texts Christy back telling her the Uber, it was about 10 minutes away. Security footage from a nearby building shows a car pull up to the address at 5.45 a.m. It waits there for five minutes before driving away. Probably the Uber. Police believe this was the Uber. Okay. Unfortunately, Christy and Marcella did not make it out of the building to meet their ride. The next time Christy was seen was via camera footage at 4.19 p.m. when David Pierce is shown carrying her out of his apartment building and placing her in his black Toyota Prius. So he's the person who dropped her off to the hospital. Yes. In the footage, he's wearing a mask, hat, and hoodie, and he had taken the time to remove his license plates from his car. He and Brant Osborne then drove her to the Southern California Medical Center in Culver City, arriving shortly after 5 p.m. I mean, how suspicious is this already? They told the medical staff there that they had just found her passed out on the curb and they just felt they should bring her in because, you know, they wanted to be good Samaritans. 
Meanwhile, when Jan, Christy's husband, woke up that Saturday morning, he saw that the last text Christy had sent him was the one at 1 a.m. where she said she and Marcella were going to a rave. Jan tried texting Christy throughout the day, but did not get a response. And remember, he was in San Francisco, so just the distance, I'm sure, made him feel helpless. Of course. He and Christy both shared their phone locations with each other as a safety measure, so Jan tracked her phone and saw that it was in one location for most of the day. And the fact that he wasn't getting a response made him really nervous. So he had a feeling something was really wrong and decided to fly back to L.A. Oh. On his way to the airport... He noticed that Christie's phone had moved locations around 5 p.m. to the Culver City Hospital. He went straight there. So he immediately called the emergency room to try and find out what was going on. He found out Christie was pronounced dead just before he's boarded his flight. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. So while all this is going on, David and Brant return to their apartment and after about an hour, Camera footage shows David carrying a, quote, partially clad Marcella out of the building. The two men dropped her off at Kaiser Permanente Hospital just after 7 p.m. And then they just went home. They were like, well, that's taken care of. However, homicide detectives showed up to their apartment later that night, probably, I think, because Jan had been able to track the location of Christie's phone. Brant Osborne said he wanted a lawyer before he answered any questions, but did say, quote, those women did not do any drugs. And also, I fell asleep the second I got home from our night out and I didn't wake up until this afternoon. So I don't know anything. Listen, people need to start either watching like crime movies or whatever, because their statements always are going to put them in jeopardy, right? Like if you're really trying to protect yourself and Listen, I know that we're supposed to give people the benefit of the doubt, but that just calls sus. Yeah. When I first read about this case and read that Brant Osborne was an actor, I just thought, huh, haven't heard of him. Um, Now I know why. It's because he's a terrible actor. (laughs) First, he says he knows for a fact that the women did not do any drugs. But then he also claimed he was asleep the whole time. So how would he know? Right. So, yeah, he's he's an idiot. When the detectives asked the men why they didn't just call an ambulance instead of dropping the women off at the hospitals. Right. Brant said, quote, because we didn't know them. So you kept them at your house for over 10 hours? That's ludicrous. Yeah. So detectives asked, well, why didn't you just take them to the same hospital? Oh. And Brant replied, well, we didn't know how that would look. Whoa. Um, It looks like you murdered them. That is how it looks. Absolutely. So David Pierce claimed he didn't do anything wrong. According to that affidavit that I mentioned earlier, he said, quote, at the end of the day, I didn't do anything wrong. And obviously, I'm not going to say anything that's going to incriminate me. Wasn't it his apartment? Though? Yeah, it was his and Brands. They were roommates. And then he said, quote, he watched, you know, people partaking in things that I had nothing to do with. And I just tried to make the situation, you know, right. Interesting. So you thought making the situation right involved not calling the police, but removing the license plates from your car, disguising yourself under a mask, hat and hoodie, carrying unconscious women out of your apartment, an apartment they'd been in for 12 hours, taking them to separate hospitals and then lying to the medical staff by saying, oh, found this one passed out on the curb. We just want to do the right thing here. Oh, okay. I am not a detective. I... Don't even like, I like listening to crime stories, but 
I feel already that you and I have a good, clear picture of what might have happened. Yeah. So Christy died of a lethal amount of fentanyl, cocaine, ketamine, and GHB, also known as the date rape drug. Marcella was on life support, but had already been declared brain dead. And just before her 27th birthday, her family made the difficult decision to take her off life support. Her cause of death was listed as multiple organ failure and multiple drug intoxication. Cocaine, ecstasy, and other undetermined drugs were found in her system. It is believed that both women were drugged unknowingly. Perhaps they thought they were taking one thing, but it was laced with other stuff. I'm not sure. And it's believed that they were sexually assaulted. Both deaths were ruled homicides. The downstairs neighbors of David and Brant told police that between 10.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. that day, they had heard, quote, someone in pain and moaning on and off. Why didn't you call the police? Yeah. I I don't get that. This is where it's hard when people, you know, they're trying to mind their own business, but it's sometimes you just need to get involved in things. You hear someone moaning for five and a half hours and you don't do anything. You know that there's something wrong. It didn't occur to you that maybe someone was in trouble. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't want to blame people, but I can't help but think that if they had just called authorities, maybe maybe Christy and Marcella could have gotten the help they needed in time and would be alive. This is, I, I, I don't, I don't understand that. I mean, it's true because I've had a similar um, circumstance with um, a, a drug that was slipped into my drink. Oh my God. And I don't, really share this much, but I figured this is a good way to just remind people out there to be really cognizant of of where they put their drink and what happens with them. It was um, in San Jose, California. Thank God my roommate was with me. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm, oh, my God. A really hard story to share. Um, but if she hadn't been there, I don't know what would have happened to me. And um, I was so lucky because we got separated and and I wouldn't even share this except that this is so I'm thinking of these two girls and I had no idea. I've never heard of them. I did not know this is what the story. Katie and I, we don't always share like what we're going to be doing. And so I, I saw their names and I was like, I'm not sure what, you know, what this pertains to. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, if she hadn't been there, luckily we were separated. She was talking to a different group than I was. And I remember I only had I had one beer. and. I remember I had it on the bar, you know, the the bar, and I kind of wasn't looking at it, right? I mean, of course, now I would never do that. Um, but yeah, I was I was slipped a drug, and it was not pretty, and it was terrifying. And I had oh I didn't God. remember anything, nothing, not a thing. I didn't know how we got home. That is terrifying. Um, she, my roommate, had to tell me everything, and it was really bad. And I, I, I think more about what would have happened if both of us, like, I don't really think about like, what would have happened to me? I think, oh my God, what would have happened to both of us? Because if it weren't for her and she had also been slipped a drug, I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. That is, I, that might be why I was, I had a hard time when I was 
going over this case because it just feels like something that can happen so easily to any of us. And it and it can. It can be. I mean, it can be seconds. And I know that um, she called the the place or one of us called and you know, this is late, like two days later or whatever, and asked about footage and whatnot. And mm. um, I mean, I, I remember talking to a group of guys and I remember what one of them looked like, but I don't, I couldn't tell you their names. I didn't remember anything. Wow. Um, and it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. And I, I kind of like just, I put it in the back of my mind. Um, I don't think about it. I've probably told just uh, maybe a handful of people um, because the other thing is, is it, it feels stigmatizing because, you know, like my, like telling someone else would be like, why wouldn't you have, you know, you should be always looking at your, it made me feel guilty. Like me getting a drug slip to me made me actually feel guilty. That's so shitty. You know, so yeah. That's- that is, that's so shitty because obviously it is not your fault. And like these two women Yes, they may have voluntarily done cocaine. That doesn't mean they deserve to be murdered, you know, it's or even even um neglected. Yeah. So you can't blame a victim. I I just it, it's such an icky feeling and it it makes like for me as a person who this happened to, I have a, a the feelings are that you you feel bad about it. Like you're like, "Oh my god, that was my fault." Which, of course, it wasn't. Anyway. Ugh, I am a little jumbly right now, but... Um, no, you're fine. We can get back on track. I just I just really resonated as soon as you... I, I just... I think when we were talking and earlier I was making presumptions about cocaine and then I was like thinking, okay, maybe something happened and they were all partying and like they... It was an accidental death, like somebody fell and then they didn't want to... You know, I'm kind of... But then when this came out, I'm just like, oh, this is exactly the story I didn't want to hear, you know, didn't want to happen. Thank you for, yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think, honestly, I think everyone needs to hear it because it just shows how, no matter how responsible of a person you are, no matter how, you know, these two women were together, you were with your friend, like even when you have, you know, a buddy with you that gives you a sense of security, these things can happen and it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and don't ever feel that it's your fault. Oh, yeah. It's not. Um, I had my hand on my drink. I had my hand on my drink. I look, obviously, I was looking away. I wasn't looking at it. And I think when you're in the midst of things and you're meeting people, like, that's, you. it's just natural, right? I mean, it's not for me anymore. I'm like, now I constantly look at my drink or just don't go to bars. <laughs> um, But yeah, it's, it's out there and it's scary. Yeah. And I just feel so heartbroken for these two girls because it can be it can be any of us and that's what's terrifying yeah I mean I've certainly had close calls as well and that's the thing like you just you think you're doing all the right things I mean Christy you know she shared her phone location with her husband she had been texting him throughout the night she was there with her friend and these things still happen happened yeah um all three men, David, Brant, and Michael, were arrested in December. David for murder and Brant and Michael for accessories after the fact to the murders. Brant was actually working on the set of NCIS Los Angeles when 
LAPD stormed the set and arrested him. So Good. I can only imagine what that scene must have been like, right. especially for the cast and crew. Like all of a sudden, like you're on NCIS and suddenly like the actual LAPD shows up right. and then takes one of the people like what? Talk about scene on scene. <laughs> Brant, however, was released two days later because the DA's office rejected his arrest information. In an attempt to distance himself from the case, he changed his name on all his social media to Bobby Delfrati. So don't be fooled. Brant Osborne is Bobby Delfrati and vice versa in case you see that person on social media. We'll be blocking him immediately. <laughs> on July 2nd, so just a few weeks ago, Brant slash Bobby was charged with being an accessory after the fact to the two murders and a warrant was issued for his arrest. He showed up to court on July 11th and pleaded not guilty and was able to walk out after posting $40,000 bail. Michael, who had also been arrested back in December, he too was released a couple of days later and so far he has not been charged. And again, all of the like security footage that they've mentioned does not show Michael on it. So I'm not sure if he even went back to the guy's apartment or if he like went and did his own thing. I don't know, but he has not been charged with anything yet. Okay. Hmm. David Pierce is a straight up monster. This is not the first time he has been accused of harmful acts towards women. In 2014, he was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault, but prosecutors in the DA's office declined to bring charges. In 2020, a woman accused him of rape, but once again, a deputy, a deputy district attorney decided not to charge him with a crime, stating in an internal memo that, quote, there wasn't enough evidence to support the woman's account of being raped while she was passed out. Oh, my God. This is also starting to sound like Jordan Vandersloot, um, the Ugh. guy uh, that murdered the girl, the, the young high schooler in Aruba, and then mm -hmm. also murdered another person. I Natalie Holloway. Yes. Natalie Holloway was the um, was the visitor in Aruba, but then there was an another story where he had basically gotten away with that, and then um, he did it again. And I want to say somewhere in I want to say South America. Um, I, and and that's the thing. It's just, like when when multiple women come forward and accuse the same person of the same crimes, maybe you should pay attention to it, right? And when then these women are no longer alive. <laughs> that's the thing if something had been done when he was first accused from other women this probably would have never happened exactly when david was arrested in december for the murders he was also charged with the rape and sexual assault of other women most of which involved him drugging them first in all david pierce faces two counts of murder for christian marcella along with multiple felony counts involving seven other women that occurred from August 2010 to November 2021. The charges include, get ready, three counts of forcible rape, two counts of sexual penetration by a foreign object, one count of sodomy, and one count of sexual penetration by use of force. He also faces two counts of selling or offering to sell a controlled substance to Christy and Marcella. If convicted, he faces a maximum sentence of 120 years, and I hope he gets it. I, I'm disgusted. 
yeah, he's just, he's gross. Oh my God. He's the grossest. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to show you a picture of him right now. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He's well, so hopefully it doesn't nasty. My nightmares. Yeah. Cause once you see his face, ooh, it's hard to get it out of your brain. I'm going to, I mean, I, I had to go to therapy uh, over my situation and I will say there's sometimes I really don't think about it anymore. I think I've tried to push it out of my head. I'm very conscious obviously when I go out now, but, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I I just got the picture and he's gross. No, this is just a negative. This is yeah. He's I mean, so nasty. Ugh. If you're a monster, you're you're fugly. That's just a monster. That's just all yeah, there is exactly. To it. I don't like to comment on people's looks, but like when you're a shit stain, you open yourself to those comments. Um, David remains in custody. He was supposed to be arraigned in July, but it was pushed to August because his private counsel withdrew from the case. So a public mm. defender was assigned. His next court date is August 29th. Currently, he's being held on, I believe it's $3.4 million bond. And Deputy District Attorney Catherine Mariano said she plans to ask the judge to increase that to $8.4 million. Good. With the exception of Branton Michael... Everyone that has come in contact with David Pierce seems to hate him. People say he's sleazy. He's a huge name dropper. Uh, they say he drove the nightclub owners crazy. One nightclub owner in Las Vegas said he had him listed in his phone as annoying Dave so he would know not to answer his calls. Oh, It just sounds like both David and Brant tried to make it seem that they were hot shit when they weren't. Because they lied about their careers. They said they worked on shows that they didn't. David said he worked on the show Young Americans, which was the Dawson's Creek spinoff. He said he worked on that for two years. But then the showrunner came out and made a statement and was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> He's like, I don't know who that guy is. What a real piece of shit. Yeah. And Brant, who's like the supposed actor, has like, z like, I don't know, two credits on IMDb. I don't even think NCIS is one of them. So I think maybe he's just done like a lot of extra work or, you know, like background work. I It looks like he might have had, you know, a small part on a couple of unknown projects. But yeah, he's he's a shit stain. So we don't really care about him anyway. Um, yeah, they're just not exactly known as being stand up guys. Both men continue to claim that they're innocent, but fuck right off. And as I mentioned before, this case is still under investigation and we'll update you when we know any more. GoFundMe pages were set up for both women and I was going to link them, but they both say that donations have been disabled by the organizer. So okay. I'll hold off on that for now. If that changes, I'll post them. And I just want to end this by talking about the two women and the effect that they had on those that loved them. Marcella's family stated, quote, she was a fighter and a giver until her very last breath. As per her family's wishes, parts of her will be donated as precious gifts of life to those in need. Her father, Luis, wrote her a farewell letter that I'm going to read. And it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the letter in full. <clears throat> I'm already crying. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I, I get it. It's, this is a really tough one just because, yeah, it, it does feel very close to home. My daughter, my precious girl, I love you. Actually, this is going to make me cry. I love you and I always will. You have been and always will be my beautiful girl. Go to heaven without any worry. Even though your physical departure hurts us, we know you are going to a better place. 
Don't worry about anything, my queen. I will wait for the day in which I can hug you again. My love, thank you for all these years and for having taught me so much. I will look after your boy Tomas, which was her dog, and your sister Fair. Caro and I will always have you in our heart and mind. Rest in peace, my daughter, Mahii, which was his nickname for her. That's really beautiful. And and I'm sorry, everyone, because I am filled with tears and I'm glad I'm not reading this. So thank you, Kate. Yeah, you don't need to apologize. Christy's husband, Jan, said, quote, I know that I have to be strong and I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that my wife gets the justice she deserves, even though no amount of justice is ever going to bring her back to life and she's still going to be gone. But hopefully it stops these guys from doing anything else to any other woman. And he's been really vocal about encouraging other women who have been victimized by any of these men to come forward. And he says he's just trying to help wherever he can. And several women have been coming forward, um, in- including exes of David Pierce. And they, I mean, they just all have horrific stories to say. Um, he, Jan, posted a video that a friend had put together on his Instagram that seems to really capture who Christy was. And in it, she's just dancing and acting goofy. She's making silly faces at the camera. And in one part, she has this guitar and she's pretending to play. Like she she truly seemed like such a light. And on the post, Jan said, quote, you are the light of my sky guiding stars of my journey, the twinkle in my eye, the tongue in my ear. And then he said, I want more memories with you. I would do anything to make more memories with you. (sighs) So now all we can hope for is that justice will be done. And as I mentioned, we'll update you with any news about this case. And we just want to express... um our support and peace for anyone who this, who's going through this because it is a very touchy topic. And I know from personal experience um, and we're here for you. Yeah. That's the thing. Like it's really common. And I, I don't know when I was, when I was writing my notes for this, I just remembered like, my own situations and I just think about man what if I hadn't been lucky because that's truly all the only reason I'm here is I was just one of the lucky ones right exactly and it's just you know it's not something that many of us want to talk about I mean I consider you as one of my greatest friends we've known each other for a really long time and I never told you that story it's not something I want to rehash all the time Exactly. I think there's five people maybe that know it. Yeah. Maybe. And and half of the people there were, you know, it's like my roommate, um, her dad, <laughs> like, you know, because she called him, she didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a couple of other people just because I was concerned for them and like worried because this started happening again in the same place that I was at. And so, I, you know, I just texted a person I was like please 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 be careful you know yeah um it's just not something that you want to reshare all the time um but I I consider myself as one of the lucky ones too and it's so unfortunate 
that this happened to these amazing girls. And it's just, it's heartbreaking. It is. And if, I mean, if any kind of case like this makes me immediately think of my nieces. And I'm just terrified of when they're at that age, when they are, you know, just out for a good time. They're just going out with friends. And you just hope and pray that they are going to make it back. So thank you for listening. We know that was um, a tough one, uh, but also an important one, I think. And um, yeah, it just seems even weird to be like, follow us on the socials, blah, blah, blah. Y'all know what the y'all know what our tags are or whatever they're called our handles, whatever they are. So yeah, thank you for listening. We'll try to we'll try to bring it back up next time. But um this was an important one to share and I I wanted to do it now because it's recent. Yeah, it's so current and yeah, well hopefully it turns out the way we want it to turn out in the end. And we'll make sure to update too along the way. Um all right, Miss Fitz, till next time. Thank you. <laughs>